if you'll turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 13, the Gospel of Luke and chapter 13, today I have some real good news for you. And the good news is the kingdom of God is in our midst. The kingdom of God is not about pie in the sky by and by. Someday, way in the future that we hope will come. But the kingdom of God is here in our midst. The kingdom of God was inaugurated in the presence and power of the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. The kingdom of God was defined by Him and demonstrated by Him. And the kingdom of God demands that we be loyal to the kingdom. Because if He is truly our King, we are to be loyal to Him and enjoy the great kingdom of God. You ever have an incident happen in your life and you think, was that an accident? Or was that God at work? Uh, this past week, uh, my wife and I went to the barrel. Anybody know what the barrel is in Oklahoma and Louisville? Oh, you've missed a treat. Oh, two people do. <laughs> uh, it opens up about this time of year, April every year, and they close up about October. Some of the best ice cream you've ever had in your life is at the barrel up there in Oklahoma Highview area. So we're there this week, and God is watching over his, uh, his children, as he always does. I had what I would call a kingdom of God experience. Not an accident, but a true kingdom of God experience. We drive up, I'm in my, my t t Toyota. My, now, my Toyota is 16 years old, and I don't know that it's ever had a new battery in it at all. So we drive up to the barrel, we get our ice cream, we're sitting in the car, and uh, when I get ready to crank up my car, it goes, kee, 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 kee. you know that little noise when the battery doesn't connect and it's not working at all and the motor doesn't turn over. It just goes, kee, 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 kee. that's the worst noise in the world. And so I wait a little bit and uh, hopefully it'll charge up a little bit while we're eating our, <laughs> eating our ice cream. And uh, while we're eating our ice cream, I turn it over again. Kee, 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 kee. I think, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm three miles from the house. My jumper cables are at home. And I remembered I have got uh, an automotive shop that, I, that I've used to fix my car when it needs to be fixed called R&W. And I've got R&W's telephone number. So I'm on the phone now calling R&W. Ring-a-ding-ding, no answer. Ring-a-ding-ding, no answer. Ring-a-ding-ding, no answer. And as if a voice from heaven said, turn around. Ring-a-ding-ding, no answer. I turn around and there is a all change place, you know, these quick lube kind of places. And it has a big sign that says, battery install for free. Can you believe that? Battery installed for free, right behind me. And I'm looking way over yonder at R&W there, five, ten miles away, thinking, can I get a hold of them before they get off work? And uh, when the answer to my problem is right behind me, right behind me the whole time. So I walk over and I meet the guy. And um, he puts a new battery in, in my car, and boom, 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 it cranks up, and away we go. And I ask myself, you can't make this up. You know, you just can't make this up. I need a battery. Here I am, three miles from home with, with, uh, without a jump, jumper cable whatsoever, and right behind me is the answer to my problem. I really think that living in the kingdom of God is not just for dummies like me, but for all of us who are willing to trust and believe that God is at work around us all the time.
God is at work around you. And his work may not be as visible as the battery, but it may work in an invisible way because God really does love you. And God does pursue a love relationship with us that lasts for all of eternity. And all He wants from you and me is to just trust Him. Let Him be our Father. Let Him be our Lord. Let Him be our King. And let Him run our life the way He wants to run our life. Because that's the only place we'll find fulfillment. The only place we'll find purpose and meaning is in the very kingdom of God. In the passage that we're looking at this morning from Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 10 through verse 17, Jesus enters the temple grounds, and uh, it's the Sabbath day uh, on a Saturday, and there's conflict taking place here in the temple grounds. There's a woman who shows up who has an issue of a bad back. She is bent over double, and she has been in this condition for 18 years. And she's been in extreme pain for 18 years. That's a long time to be disabled. And while she's there, Jesus heals her. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those religious leaders watch what happens. And they begin to accuse Jesus of being filled with a demon. And Jesus said, if I was filled with a demon, why would I initiate the kingdom of God and touch this woman and she be healed? And so they begin to complain and carry on this conversation about you can't heal on the Sabbath because that would break the law. And Jesus said, if you had an ox in the ditch, would you not get him out on the Sabbath? If you needed to feed your animals, would you not feed them on the Sabbath? And they said, yeah, yes, yes we would. He said, well, then why? in the world would I not heal a woman who has been disabled for 18 years even though it may break your rules your man-made rules it pleases the Father in heaven and so while her need was answered by the presence of the Christ the King of the kingdom of God while her need was met God is saying to you and me I want to meet your needs as well and folks, this kingdom of God, while it is not visible to the human eye, this invisible kingdom of God is at work among us even now. Because His kingdom rules and reigns wherever we believe and trust in Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And God really does work things together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those who want to please Him, for those who want to serve Him as Savior and Lord. And, and Lord. Now begin reading with me in verse 18 through 21, and we're going to hear Jesus talk about this invisible kingdom of God that's work around us. You really can't see it at work, but you see the evidence thereof, kind of like the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3, where Jesus tells uh, Nicodemus, you can't really see the Holy Spirit move, but you can see the evidence of the kingdom or the Spirit of God at work. In verse 18, he was saying, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and threw into his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. 
A mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. And when it was planted in the garden, it grows a tree large enough that birds find a place to roost in the branches of this tree. That's how large this tree is. So what's the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is like something that starts real small and, can, and, and ends up huge. And it grows up. Vertical. It grows up. And we see the kingdom of God in our life at work as we watch the kingdom grow up beginning with a few and multiplying from there. Now, if you hang with me for just a minute, let me add this to what you've just heard. This is really how the church grows. This is really how the church grows. If we are to grow like the mustard seed, we begin with a few believers that are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they become disciplers of others who become disciples of Jesus as well. And the kingdom of God begins to grow and multiply. Kind of like if you had a V going this direction. It's beginning to grow and multiply. From a very few to more and more and more and more people come into the kingdom of God by faith in Christ. And when you are a disciple of the Lord and you understand my role is to make disciples of others then the multiplying effect takes place and we continue to grow as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is growth that is sustained. This is growth that uh, stays around, if you will, because this growth is anchored in the kingdom of God. This kind of growth is a spiritual growth that's anchored in the Word of God. And people who are learning to be faithful to the Lord People are learning to, to uh, disciple others as well so that more and more and more of us become faithful followers of Jesus Christ. This is true church growth, starting with a few and growing to the many from there. Then he says in verse uh, 20, And again he said, What shall I compare the kingdom of God? Now he's going to use an entirely different um, um, uh, metaphor to understand the growth of the kingdom. It's like leaven. Now, the leaven would be like the yeast, uh, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leaven. And in other words, this small amount of yeast perforated all of the rest of the flour, and it was all impacted, and it was all multiplied by the presence of this leaven or this yeast that was in the flour. Well, that's the way yeast works, and that's the way the kingdom of God works. It multiplies in a horizontal way. It multiplies in a horizontal way. Everything the kingdom of God touches, the kingdom blesses. And we are more like Christ because we have the kingdom of God living in us than we would be in any other way in our life. So today I want to talk about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And how, number one, he demonstrates the kingdom of God. Number two, he's going to define the kingdom of God. And number three, he's going to demand loyalty to his kingdom. The first way that Jesus demonstrates the kingdom of God is when he healed the woman who had been ill for 18 years. Bent over double uh, for 18 years. That's a long, long time to be disabled. That's a long, long time for someone to carry you and take you where you needed to go because you were not able to stand upright and walk on your own. 
And yet when Jesus came along, he demonstrated what it meant to be healed. What it meant for her to experience the mercy of God in her life. And when she experienced that healing, Jesus demonstrated what it was like to be in the kingdom of God. God meets our needs. He is with us. He is present with us. And here we see Jesus inaugurating this kingdom of God. Because wherever Jesus is, He is the king, and therefore there is the kingdom of God. And they questioned His authority, and Jesus said, I have authority to do all things for those who will trust Me, for those who will follow. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is in your midst is in your presence. So where Christ is, there is the kingdom of God. The kingdom is in your midst. Jesus said, If it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so in the Bible days, to be ill, to be physically sick, was to be some submission to the power of evil. And for Jesus to cast out demons, people were healed and, and cleansed as well. And so the evil forces were removed and healing came to the individual. And that's how Jesus demonstrated the very kingdom of God in his life. Then he goes on, secondly, to define the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? Now in the scriptures, particularly in the Gospels, this idea of the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times. 126 times Jesus is trying to teach about this invisible but yet powerfully present kingdom of God. How he works things together for good. Scripture says in Psalm 103, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is present where the power and reign of God is allowed to rule. So God's kingdom doesn't rule everywhere because not everyone has received the kingdom. Not everyone has received the Christ. And those who refuse the Christ have refused the very power of the kingdom of God. The kingdom that transforms us from darkness into light. The kingdom that delivers us and redeems us by the power of the resurrected Christ. The kingdom that is established, uh, or the ancient of days that is established forever and forever and forever in the supreme reign of our Savior and our Lord Jesus the Christ. And so in His throne, where He reigns, where He is received, where He is allowed to be powerfully present, this is where the kingdom of God rules. So I would ask you, have you allowed Christ to be Lord of your life. They might say, I want Him to be my Savior and forgive me of my sin, but are you willing to let Him be Lord? Are you willing to let Him put boundary around you and say, this is where I want you to live? Do you love His law? Do you love His rule? In the Old Testament, we're given the Ten Commandments of our Lord. This is the Word of God. Do you love that? Do you desire that? Because it's living by the Ten Commandments that we live into holiness. And God's kingdom is all about holiness. Do you desire, do you want the holiness of God in your life? If you do not, then you do not want the rule of God. You're refusing the very rule of God that transforms and saves you if you do not want His Lordship. So is Jesus Lord of your life?
Now the good news is today is your opportunity to let Jesus be Lord of your life. And this is the gospel. The gospel is the gospel that saves. Helps us understand that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, we're all loved by God, but yet we resist God's love through our sin. And the Bible also says the wages of our sin is death. The wages of our sin is death. Sin has a consequence. And that consequence is eternal separation from holy God. But that's not what God wants for you. God loves you so much in that while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for you. He took your punishment, my punishment for sin, which is death, and He bore it all in His body. He embraced the very wrath of God when He died on the cross. And though Jesus died and was buried, He did not stay in the grave. He was raised from the dead by the power of God. That if we believe with our mouth, and confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. We can be included in this kingdom of God. Have you made Him the Lord of your life? I'm going to share another point in the message, but after that we're going to give an invitation. And when we do, I invite anyone here today who wants to give their life to Jesus to just come during the invitation. And we'll pray that prayer with you as you give your life to the Lord. But understand this. Jesus requires loyalty to His kingdom. If you're going to live in His kingdom, you must not only desire the kingdom, but be loyal to the kingdom as well. He talks about that in the next several verses. It says in verse 23, Someone said to Him, Lord, are there just a few who are going to be saved? And, he's, and Jesus said, Strive to enter the narrow door. The narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter it and will not abide. There are two uh, directions to take in this life. There's the the narrow way and the broad way. And most of the world's chosen the broad way. And those of you who've selected the kingdom of God and you want Christ to live in your life, you're literally living upstream the rest of your life. The rest of the world's going the other direction. And you're going to find yourself in a minority. You're not going to win the culture war. There's a lot of money being spent today about the culture war. We've got to win the culture war. Well, folks, we're never going to win the culture war. We may reach a few people who choose the narrow door, but the majority of the world will say no to the gospel. That's just a matter of fact. And that doesn't mean we don't quit sharing the gospel. We offer to all who will receive Christ as Savior and Lord the path of this narrow door. But you'll always be in the minority. Are you willing to live in the minority and be faithful to Christ? Or is the need to be popular, the need to be assimilated, the need to be accepted by everybody else, is that so powerful that it keeps you away from the kingdom of God? If you choose to follow Christ, you're going to be in the minority. You always will. And the monies we spend on missions, the monies we spend on uh, reaching the world with the gospel of Christ is trying to reach as many as possible, but we will not reach everyone. Now, who is that someone in your life that you want to take with you to heaven? Who is that child? Who is that grandchild? Who is that family member that doesn't know the Lord? Would you begin to pray for them, that they would choose Christ and not the world? That they would not be so um, um, misled 
by the lures of this world, but instead hear the gospel clearly and be loyal to Christ. You know, when judgment day comes for the believer, we will not be judged upon our, our works, but we will be judged upon the blood of Jesus Christ. And we will hear those beautiful words that the Lord says to us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Will you be loyal to Christ? Jesus demands that we be loyal to Him. Not only to Him, but also to His truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Now you hear a lot of voices in the world that have a lot of opinions about strange teachings. And we've got a world now that's really upside down. What's good is evil and what's evil is good. It's, it's an inverted world of morals now. And you say, how are we going to change that? Well, the only way to change that is one person at a time coming to faith in Jesus Christ and believing Him to be the truth. This is the word of the Lord. We either believe it or we don't. It's either the truth or it's not. And if it's not the truth, then how in the world does this word of God transform me? How does it redeem me? How does it not save me? It is a power within itself. And the power is in the kingdom of God when you believe and trust in the gospel of Christ. And it's living by this truth of the gospel of Christ that God continues to redeem you and save you from a lost and dying world. Don't expect the whole world to, to go after your values and your morals. In fact, as you live for Christ and the kingdom of God, you're going to find a lot of family members and a lot of friends, and I've lived through that in my lifetime as well, who turn a deaf ear to the gospel and accept the, the immorality of this world as being, well, acceptable. And it's not. It's the morality of this world that's destroying our children. It's the morality of this world that's destroying and taking away hope. It's the morality of this world that is upside down and will be judged by the very wrath of God. Don't get caught up in the morals of the world thinking that uh, you're, you're okay because you're saved because God's going to turn all that, all that around in His kingdom. Trust His truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So be loyal to His truth. Be loyal to the person, Jesus, and be loyal to His mission. Now, I've asked you before, and I hope that you can have made some progress in this. If you had to write a sentence that stated your life mission, what would it be? How would you describe your life mission? What do you call to be and do? I've had to clarify that many times in my life, and when I get off course, I come back to that assignment that God has given to me, and that assignment that God has given to me is my mission in life. And my assignment is to preach the gospel and love God's people. It's just that simple. Everything else I do falls under that heading of preaching God's Word and loving God's uh, people the best I can. Now, some people will let me love them. Some people don't care if I do or not. But still, I'm going to love you like God loves me. And uh, when I do that, I'm right in the kingdom of God. I'm experiencing what you can only experience in the kingdom of God. I hope that this coming week, and I pray that this coming week, that you will have a gospel conversation with someone. It may be someone at work. It may be someone that 
you uh, hang out with. It may be someone at school. But that you will have an opportunity for a gospel conversation this week. And that the Holy Spirit will give you that one little window for you to share your story. And if you can get your story, your salvation story, down to a, well, we call it an elevator ride. How long does it take you to get the first floor to the second floor in an elevator? That's how long you'll have an opportunity to share your personal testimony, your story, with somebody else. People all around you that need Christ. And a lot of people all around you are, are moral, good-acting folks, but really don't know the Lord. And they're waiting on you to tell them. They're waiting on you to, to express to them quickly what your story is so that they can have a story for themselves that says, I've given my life to Christ. Today, do you live in the kingdom of God or do you live outside? Folks, living in the kingdom only requires one step. Just one step in. And that step is a step of faith in saying, Lord, I will obey you. I will be loyal to you. I will follow you. Lord, will you save me? It's just that simple. But it's one of the hardest decisions you'll ever make. Because to take that one step is to leave the whole world behind you. And uh, once you put your hand to the plow, Jesus says, and you turn around and want to go back the other way, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. If you want to live in the kingdom of God, you need to keep stepping forward. And step into, get in the traces, step into uh, the, the uh, kingdom of God that awaits you. Because God has a future for you that you can never discover on your own. God has an eternity for you. God has a, a kingdom life for you to live, a mission for you to live, an appointed place to live that out. And you will see miracle after miracle after miracle every day. It will be invisible to the world, but you'll know that this is the kingdom of God at work in your life. Just as the woman who experienced healing, when she was able to stand up and once again stand tall, having been healed by Jesus and living in the kingdom of God. Will you stand tall? Will you come today and give your life to the Lord? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for your redeeming work on the cross, and thank you, Lord, for giving to us this same powerful redeeming kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that we will be loyal to your mission, loyal to your word, your truth, and live daily in this gracious, loving kingdom of God. I pray today as we give this song of invitation, there'll be someone who'll come forward saying, I want to give my life to Christ. May they not wait another day, not wait another hour, but come right now. We pray it in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. 
If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ephraim Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.